Yeah, good well, first, there you go. That was a good first take, practice. Right? Yeah. We, call, we call that a sound check in there the music. Go. There you go. Here we go. Going live in three, two. Episode 16. Tonight we have the Air Bears and we're going to talk about uh, part 107 of the FAA new rules. And uh, we have Scott Zimmerman and Hi guys. a great friend from uh, Flight Fest, which is Irby Allen. Welcome, guys. Hey, everybody. Hi. How you doing, folks? And I'm here too. I'm Patrick. Hi. And that's Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> everybody we're, knows we're, Patrick uh, by now. We're we're without Joel tonight. Joel is off uh, at some sort of sporting event or something. Yeah, some soccer, uh, one of those English whatever. things, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Not them in the soccer. I, what is careful because I, I believe that's that's football. So you got to. Oh, that's right. That's football. Football. <laughs> football. That, that's soccer. <laughs> we play football over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, for whatever reason, guys, I apologize, but it looks like the. Uh, the Joel Cannon Wix site for our uh, flight test community podcast is not working, and I'm not sure why. And we're just going to go ahead it. on with the show anyway. So I have a live, I have a live yellow box up in the right hand corner. Yeah, of my screen, but I'm so. that's about, a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's right. a good thing. That means we're live on air at least on uh, YouTube, I believe. But to do the chat on our uh, our live chat with people. our live chat looks like it's not working, so I don't know what's going on there. So I'm gonna we'll leave that for Joel to figure out. I'm going to skip it. You know what? Tough luck. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, um, first off, I think we should probably uh, just see what's going on with everybody. Let's start with uh, let's start with Irby. Irby, what have you been up to lately? Oh, uh, just um, pretty much. Uh, enjoying the summer uh, we've been in terms of flying been able to um, uh, put together I bought from uh, laser toys their skimmer wing so I, I put that together and been able to get that up flew it on a two cell so I have yet to get it up on a three cell I bought a three cell from from flight test and it came in uh, about a week or so ago so I got it charged up, so I'm interested to see what it does on the resell. Maybe uh, you know, hopefully get it screaming a little bit. Um, but we've been working on with my with my boys working on finishing their uh, FT Mini Arrows, and so uh, yeah, we're we're nearly done with that. So my oldest son actually uh, he was bitten at the last flight fest, mm -hmm. so he was bitten he was bitten by the wing bug. 
<laughs> so we go over to Laser Toys, and of course they had a couple of their displays that had gotten you know slightly crushed or whatever, either in transport or whatever. And so they were selling them at a discount. Well, he bought one. The wing was a little crimped. It wasn't too bad. But he, they sold it to him and had the motor already, had the ESC. The only thing he needed was the receiver. It already had the servos. And he pretty much was up and running and was flying the thing and loved it. Then he bought a set of lights to put on it, and he was flying it at night. And so I said, well, let me see what this is about. So I bought a wing, and then I got home and put it together and flew it. And I'm like, yeah, now I see what this is about. <laughs> Wings are fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, a lot of fun. The, the wings at Laser Toys were was they they were like complete right except you were saying except for the receiver they were like so big like yay big or so maybe yeah they had the, the pretty small, small ones right yes yeah those yeah were I remember uh, I I I almost bought one uh, I found out about him Jen Bixler was <laughs> she was talking she's like. Mikey was just over here. He was trying to get money out of me for something, and I gave him the money, and he bought this wing. And I'm like, and she told me the price, and then I said, I found Mike. I'm like, Mikey, where'd you get your wing? And I said, you pay this much for it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went down, and I almost bought one, but uh, I, I, I had specific things in mind. I didn't want to spend a lot of money while there, so I, I, I you went to the I, wrong place. I, I adulted, and I didn't buy one. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you know when I, uh, I, you know, as I'm walking around and I'm seeing all those things, I have to check with my chief financial officer. Exactly. Meaning, <laughs> meaning the Mrs. <laughs> She's like, um, yeah, no, yeah. not that. Yeah, maybe we could do that. We can't do that. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> now I know you had uh, you had your three boys there, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. I did. Uh, <laughs> this was our. Yes, oh, she was, see, and this was our. We were well supervised. This was our second year. Our second year as a, as a, yeah, I, I most Mistake certainly was number one. Certain, and she, and she would agree with you, Patrick. She would say the same thing. Um, and this was our second year as a family, and I was, I was surprised after the first year. So, you know, I was worried because I knew for us guys that we would have a, a good right. time. Anything RC, airplane, whatever. The boys and I would be fine, and I, I was just worried about. You know, would my wife be able to plug in? Would she enjoy herself? And last year, she immediately plugged in. She volunteered at the oh, registration man. tent. Wonderful. So many people. And then we came. She said, "Okay, so when are we, we're doing it again next year, right?" I'm like, "There's nothing but a word." <laughs> uh, you said, wow. <laughs> "You're a lucky man." <laughs> exactly. You are a lucky man. And so we're and we're already talking about next year. And so it just I think Flight Fest has that. Um, effect on families and yes. I just, I'm just blessed I, you know, God has given me a, a wonderful wife and does she and have a sister? She, actually, <laughs> <laughs> she has three older sisters but unfortunately they, they are, are married uh, yeah. and, and their husbands are great guys just my but luck. you know it's funny because there was a video posted by someone in the community of a quote unquote indestructible quad so she decided to go ahead and order one for herself, and so she oh. wants to learn how to fly quads. Awesome. And so uh, I'm st I'm stoked about that. And so I said, well, as soon as you get it, you know, we'll we'll get out in the yard and, and I'll teach you how to fly it. We'll have a good time. Very so. cool, dude. That is. So that's what I've been up to awesome. this summer. Fantastic. That's, yeah, that's great, man. That's great. So uh, I'm just shaking my head here because I'm like, that. No, that would never happen with me. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. I my, can't get my wife or kids to do anything. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife won't <laughs> have anything to do with it either, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott, what about Mike you? Mike tried too. <laughs> uh I personally have had my nose buried in federal regulation uh manuals for the past probably two months. Uh and boy, let me tell you, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet that's just uh, a joy. So I this weekend I took a break. I went on tour with my favorite band in the world, and I had a great time. And now it's back to work. I'm scheduled to take my 107 exam this coming Friday, and uh, so I got a little more studying to do. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, basically been playing a game of whack a mole with the FAA for the past year and a half is what I've been up to. So um, yeah, there's that. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I feel it's for tough. you, man. It's it's, it's uh it's it's been it's been pretty tough. I can't even imagine what you guys have been going through over there, and now they just continue to to change things around even it, more. It, is there some sense of resolution at this point with with 107, or is it still way up in the air? Oh no, no, 107 is set in stone. Okay. Uh, now that doesn't mean that they're going to be modifying it and changing it as time goes on. In fact, uh, all the FAA guys we've talked to readily admit that uh, that these rules will evolve. Um, okay. So it, it may, the situation may not be ideal, but uh, they, they may change, uh, and they're, they're open to that. Um, as much as I would like to sit here and bash the FAA, they've had a really tough job. Um, that being said, they had four years to do this, and yeah. they kind of drug their feet a little bit, and now they're trying to get it all done at once. But uh, and and as a result of that, in my opinion, I think they've made some mistakes. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try and work with them and try and help them fix those mistakes. Yeah, I think the the I think the um, the problem is is with uh, I anything and everything with technology. Um, the the pace where it moves, you, you know, uh, probably, you know, four years, six years, eight years ago, the idea of a quadcopter, hexcopter, whatever, is probably foreign to a lot of people. And then now you have places like Target and Walmart, and Best Buy, whatever. Oh, they, no. It, 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 the, it, they are they've proliferated in such a way to where you can just grab one off the shelf with some kind of capability, any kind of capability. And so uh, now, and I think the reason why we are where we are today is because you have a lot of people who aren't really in the hobby. So for a lot of us who are in the hobby or AMA members or members of some other kind of organization, we already know about safety, how we need to operate our craft, things of that nature. But Joe on the corner, who is not an AMA member, who probably hasn't done any kind of research, but looks at a quad because it's cool, went goes and buys one and decides to fly it near a building or near an airport, or whatever. And then so whether uh, um, these stories are few in number or whether they're great in number, they tend to get blown up. And so then the FAA says, oh, now we got to do something about it. So they come down heavy-handed on the entire hobby. And so the majority of us get hurt by the actions of a few who know, probably know nothing about uh, the hobby other than being able to go into a store and buy a 
what they consider a toy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, um, uh, you're touching on the fact that the technology is outpacing their ability to create the laws. In fact, you know, let, let's let's just uh, let's just hypothetically say that the FAA was on top of their game four years ago, and they came out with some really good rules. Well, four years ago, that's like you know how much the technology has changed since <laughs> mm-hmm. then. Yeah, exactly. Everything that they had would have done would be obsolete. So that's like three generations of flight c- controllers ago. Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you know, and and you know, and he's right because um, the the technology has gotten to the point where it's so much easier to fly them, and that has pros and cons. Uh, from an Air Bears perspective, that, that that means we may have more membership. We may have bigger coverage. We may be able to get to places where they need us. On the other hand, uh, maybe that guy is not really ready to go out and help yet. He needs to practice more, you know, and he needs to get the fundamentals of flight, you know, down pat. So there's there's pros and cons to it, and um, yeah. So it and it and it's tough. It's tough. The technology changes incredibly fast. Really, really yes. fast. Yeah. So I've I've looked over some the some a couple of summaries of 107 and I here's one thing I keep getting hung up on. It, it doesn't see, is there a provision for non-line of sight operations like operations beyond line of sight? Um no, not beyond yeah. line of sight. Okay. Everything in 107 is all within line of sight. So, this is supposed to regulate commercial operations, or am I incorrect? You are incorrect. In fact, the okay, word good. commercial does not appear anywhere in 107. Okay. Basically, what the FAA has done is that they have created two different types of flying. There is or am I recreational, you are, and then there is everything. Thing else. So this is civil, non-commercial operation. Correct. It is. It is anything other than recreational or hobby flying. Anything other than that. That's correct. But, yeah. Under under the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. Wouldn't that be commercial? Not necessarily. Air Bears is not commercial. Them? We don't get paid a cent, but okay, we have to true. follow the it. new 107 rules. Uh, okay. According to. Um, what the FAQs in terms of the flying for fun, uh, when it talks about, um, and this can be found at uh, www.faa.gov uh, forward slash UAS forward slash FAQS. Um, and they talk about the different options. In terms of option one, flying in accordance with special rules for model aircraft, and this is under recreation. Under this rule, fly for hobby or recreation purposes only follow a community-based set of safety guidelines. And just recently, the FAA has acknowledged the AMA as a community-based organization and that, uh, uh, um, that AMA's rules uh, are fine, and as long as you're flying within AMA rules, you should be okay. The yes, thing let's specify is, that, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt yeah, and ahead, specify that they are not saying you must be an, AA, an AMA member. Right, right. You just have to follow the rules. You just have to follow the rules. Yep. And it says that you have to fly within visual line of sight. So it, it doesn't make any provision for FPV or beyond line well, of sight. And I think where I want, where I'm still trying to get clarification 
is, is my understanding is, and Scott, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if you're flying FPV, that throws you into 107, does it not? You are absolutely correct. No. And that's and they the still very, very require, sad part about this. They still require a spotter under 107. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. To do FPV, you you must have a spotter. You uh, The thing is, is that that visual line of sight must be satisfied, either by the pilot in command or by his visual observer. Right. Um, so the recreational hobby side of it, there are specific, uh, not so much rules, but there, there are certain... Uh, qualifications that must be satisfied and they can be found in section 101 of the Code of Federal Regulations or the CFRs and every one of those must be met and one of them is visual line of sight and since the FAA has determined that there's only two types of flight be it recreation or anything else (laughs) if you cannot satisfy every one of those requirements under 101 then it's everything else. And so now, according to the FAA, anybody who flies FPV for recreation, it's not recreation. So it is now 107. Yes, right. and you have to get the license. Interesting. And and, yeah. and from my not interesting. It sucks is what it is. It, it does. And um, again, that's I think that's the not only the FAA and law in general lagging behind the technology, but maybe even, uh, and I'll start jumping up and down on AMA again, I, I just don't think they're embracing or being, they're not lobbying enough for the FPV community. And I'm not sure, and I know for a fact that some of the leadership in the AMA is still not, rep, feel like they should represent the FPV community oh. or the quote-unquote drone community. You're absolutely right, Patrick. In fact, one of the guys who is currently um, running for the new presidency President of the AMA. way against yeah. it. Yes, he's like, I want to focus on our core membership, you know, the old the old-timer yeah. waterboard guys. And yep. Yeah, so... That's the break, dance with who you brought guy. Well, that's and that and that's sad because uh, you know I'm an AMA member and all three of my boys I got them signed up and they all have their cards and and for me um, you know I got a taste of FPV actually at last year's Flight Fest I was sitting next to a guy we were parked that's when the the flight line and everything was a little closer to the Fury's home. And we were sitting underneath one of their trees, and there was a gentleman, uh, he and I think his grandparents uh, were sitting next to us, and he was looking through his goggles. I said, and I looked at him and said, hey, what you looking at? He said, here, have a peek. And I got a chance to look through his his fat sharks, and oh, my goodness. <laughs> you were hooked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And so I, I think, though, what the AMA is doing, if that's the case, they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. Because if you look, if you just get a glimpse, whether you go to Joe Nall or whether you go up to Malvern to Flight Fest, whether you go to Ceph, any of these places where you see younger people where they are involved and you see them getting involved in the hobby, they are gravitating to FPV. Why? Because it's new. It gives them the feeling of, hey, I'm at the controls mm-hmm. of an aircraft. They, they literally are, but it really gives them a, a kind of a cockpit view. And it could be done so safely, and, it could, and it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And so to, to, you're cutting off a huge part of the community, and what, they, what they're going to find is 
especially as the the Warbird uh, crowd, as Scott has said, as the Warbird crowd gets older, yeah. they'll find the younger crowd is going maybe to some other organization, or somebody is deciding I'm going to start my own organization because you know AMA is not representing me. So I mean that that's what they're going to end up running into if if they don't represent the entire body. I, I couldn't it, agree more. He's absolutely it's, right. It's the people who who look at the AMA as only being a modeler's organization. Well, well, we're going to model these airplanes, and we're going to put, you know, months and months in work in making this thing scale and beautiful. And then, you know, as an afterthought, we make it fly this thing. And I think that's the mentality of those people. And it's just it, it's outdated by about fifteen years. You know, it's it. It's great. I mean, I, I know some guys that do that. They're incredibly skilled craftsmen. Mm -hmm. They make beautiful birds. Um, mm -hmm. But as Patrick stated, unfortunately, they represent a, a community that is getting smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, change is hard. Nobody likes it. But unfortunately, it's necessary. And if, mm -hmm. you, don't, if you don't change with the times, you'll be behind them. Yeah, you're going right. to be left behind, for sure. I, and don't get me wrong, I love building airplanes. I love balsa air. I love building balsa airplanes, but there's so much more to it than that. And the total aspect of the of the hobby needs to be represented by an organization like the AMA, or yeah, they're going to be irrelevant. I, I I agree. I mean, if you're talking, this is the this is supposed to be our voice as a as model flyers as a as a whole, and yeah, they we should everyone should get a voice into that organization. Or somebody else is going to do it. Somebody, for them. there's another organization that's going to come along, and I think that, that's exactly. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if it, within the next five years that starts to happen. And you know, oh. AMA might be like, oh, whoa, where'd that come from? Just, just, just as a thought, Air Bears is a community-based organization. There you go. There you go. There you go. Wink, wink. So, so is. So is uh, uh, the flight test community, in a way, just mm -hmm. throwing that. Out. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they were structured organizationally, so I, I don't know about that. Well, well flight tests, not so much, but the community. Mm -hmm. well, the community True, the and you have has, a, in order have to a, really right. right in order to be like uh, recognized federally right. as a right. CBO. There's a right. few little things you have to get in place. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you have enough people in the community. That's the one thing about this hobby, you know, no matter is whatever it is that you do. Um, I'm also <laughs> in the gaming, so you look in the gaming community. You have people from all walks of life. We have people in uh, in the RC hobby in the community who are attorneys. You have folks that are uh, insurance uh, geeks like myself, you know, and and know a little bit about risk management and stuff like that. That can come together and say, okay, what is it going to take legally to form an organization? What is it going to take in terms of uh, insurance and risk management uh, to to form a community? And you know, you get enough people who have had enough, and they all grab their torches and pitchforks, and then they're they're marching in a direction, and so. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Scott. It, you know, it, it, we're, the community's not one now. Not to say it can never, never be one. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I, I got a question um, off the YouTube um, comment section, and it's from a guy named Chuckles, and he says, "So any purpose, any purposeful hobby flying is not hobby flying. 
if I'm flying as a mentor for a school STEM program, do I need 107 certification? Uh, I go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I believe that the FAA has made an exception for like education and STEM uh, programs of that nature. I, I know that at one point, the Pittsburgh office, the FAA office in Pittsburgh was sending letters out to, to um, school districts basically stating that if you are giving education to kids based on flying, you have to be a registered pilot or something like that. Right. Then, then there was another issuance that came out and said, no, 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 we're backing off of that. So yeah. I don't... Yeah, no, it, it, this is how difficult it has been, is because depending on which FAA representative you talk to, you get a different answer. Yep. They fully admit that they can't even get their message right within their own house. So I know that all this information is really negative and it's depressing, but bear in mind that I guarantee you a lot of this stuff is not going to stay the way it is now. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're making these rules as a knee-jerk reaction, yeah. and they're fully aware that it's not an ideal situation and things are going to be changing. But Patrick, well, yes, you're right. That is the situation right now. If a teacher wants to do it uh, and teach some kids how to fly, they have to have a 107. But I can tell you for a fact right now that they are working on changing that at this moment. Yeah, I, And that's exactly what I had heard. But let me ask this. Uh, I'm a teacher. Say I go out and I teach some kids to fly. Uh, and, and, and hey, maybe I even make it part of my curriculum. So technically maybe I'm getting paid for this. Who's going to police it? Who's going to monitor that? I mean – the, not the FAA. I'm not saying that I'm going yeah. to do that, but I'm just saying, it's, who 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 is going to police this? It, not, yeah, they don't they don't have um, unmanned drones flying over our communities trying to find out who's flying under 101 <laughs> right. or 107, right? Uh, and and bust you. Um, uh, but I I think um, in regards to enforcement, you bring up a good a good point. Uh, Patrick, I mean, with all of the people that are involved in the hobby, whether part of an organization with years of experience or somebody brand new walking into a target and grabbing a quad off a shelf, um, I don't think that they really have a way to really manage it until something happens. And that's usually when you find the enforcement, is after an accident or after an incursion. If, if they're able to catch the person. You, you hear about all of these drones spotted near airports, but they never seem to catch the operator. Yeah, because they're chasing a shadow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they, they readily admit that they're, they, they currently do not have the staff nor the resources to enforce these rules that they're coming out with. That being said, I'm not publicly saying that you should break them. Um, just I'm not saying, either. keep that in mind when yeah. you go out and you want to go fly for fun. You know, follow some basic safety rules and go have fun. Yeah, uh, it's 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 interesting because um, I did a um, aerospace education talk with some of the cadets in our squadron uh, for CAP uh, one evening uh, on on quads, on quadcopters, on drones, and and we talked about. 
the benefits and usage. You know, you find now that farmers are using them in certain farming applications, things of that nature. And I brought my my Phantom Three, and I had a couple of other little smaller quads. I had a little 250 quad that I put together, and and was showing them. And and one of the uh, one of our officers had had uh, asked, well, you know, could you fly one? And I, you know, being a member of the community, being responsible. I'm like, no, you know, first of all, you know, I can't fly around, shouldn't be flying around people, can't fly around, and I'm within five miles of an airport, you know, I start going through, start going through the mental checklist and numbers. Mm -hmm. I say, but what I can do, especially for the Phantom, which is really cool, is I can turn it on and activate the camera, won't have props on it, and I can show them how the gimbal works, and the kids loved it. They, they were tickled that they could see themselves, they're looking down at, at my phone or my tablet or whatever. And they're seeing themselves, and I'm moving the camera around, and they're like, "Wow, that's really cool." Yeah. So you you can find ways to stimulate the imagination, at least until the FAA gets their their collective hands around uh, STEM programs and education programs to where there's not that. Well, if I decide to, you know, install the props and spin this thing up and fly it, will I get in trouble for it? And typically, you find that with people who do what? Follow the rules. People who right. won't follow the rules are going to break them anyway. Right. Well, it's, exactly. It's you know, like uh, making gun-free areas. Well, that's great for people who are going to respect that, but the people who you worry about aren't going to respect it anyway. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Patrick, I'm a, from, from, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for doing that. Uh, so much of these problems can be solved just by education. Um, so, really, man, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate all the hard work you're doing to, to get the word out and to, and to introduce this technology to people who are unfamiliar with it. Well, uh, I don't it, – it's not exactly my uh, – I'm not exactly the Don Quixote here, but uh, – or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, that, that was directed – I'm sorry, that was directed at Irby. our distinguished – CAP member. I got the. There we go. The name yeah, I'm like, yes. I, I started feeling really good about awkward. myself. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take credit for this, even though I didn't do anything. Oh, wow. That's quite all right. Uh, it, was, it was. It was my pleasure. I had fun. But I tell you, the the work that the flight test community is doing. Uh, all three of my boys, when we were at Flight Fest, I'll tell the story real quick. I signed all three of them up for the uh, projects in the STEM tent. And uh, it was really cool to see Jake uh, and and the guys that were helping him in the STEM tent really work with the kids. And you could see those light bulbs go off. Uh, my oldest son was in the middle school, high school section where they actually had to build a plane that could carry a full Gatorade bottle and had to fly a circuit. And their plane was one of the four or five, because they were in teams, that actually flew. So it had to fly, the, the bottom wing had to detach, and then it had to fly again. And so they were able to do it wow. successfully. I mean, it was a That's lot great. of fun so and to see that. So for any of the teachers like Patrick, such as yourself, you get the technology in the schools. Mm -hmm. That's how this thing really is going to change and change yeah. for the better. Yeah, that's um, what we're looking at doing. And that's exactly. Exactly. Yeah, education I'm really, is key. I'm really disappointed that I didn't make a point of meeting Jake Marshall while I was at Flight Fest, but so much was going on. I yeah. That just went past me for so, somehow. Yep. 
Welcome to my world. Yeah, yes. yeah. We had a, we had a whole lot of uh, things going on uh, at, at Flight Fest. Yeah, we so, did. My yeah, goodness. We did. I, and if it keeps getting this, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Oh, it's just gonna get. I know. Like, better, yeah. but harder to meet everyone. <laughs> well, not a, yeah. uh, there's there's so much there that that I mean that was part of what our last episode was about. <laughs> you know, between <laughs> just how big it was and, well, and, and the we, problems that we saw. Yeah, we. We we've done two two podcasts that were supposed to be totally focused on flight fest, and, and we only got to like Saturday afternoon. We haven't finished off yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we'll ever get to Pat. <laughs> I, I don't either. But man, Saturday night was awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably going to have to be one of the uh, late night podcasts. I have a feeling. yeah, one of the yeah. adults only. Yeah, the adults only. Well, I know I enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed listening to it because it it took me back. And so, you know, that's like it was last year, too. I mean, it, it, it takes you back, and it truly is the way I looked at it. And, um, you know, I enjoyed meeting people there, and it was my first time meeting Scott. You know, I had seen um, – uh, and, uh, Scott, you may have been there last year as well. I don't think I got a chance to meet you last year. That was our debut. But, yeah, yeah I, I looked at that as like a big family reunion, and that's exactly what it is. So, Patrick, when you and I were working the main gate, yeah. And and cars were coming in. That was my first time meeting you. I was like, Man, your voice sounds familiar. And that's what you say, Yeah, I work I work on the work that's on the community so... podcast. I'm like, wow, okay, that's cool. But I mean it's like a, a huge family reunion and, and again yeah, exactly, exactly. a lot of the folks that are there are the folks as we're talking about this one oh one and one oh seven issue, these are gonna be the folks that are following the rules. And so going back to, Patrick, your example of the gun-free zone, you're going to have a bunch of folks out there that aren't, which is why the FAA is coming down, I think, hard on the hobby. And, you know, do they need to be hard? I don't, I don't know how many of those issues where you have um, airport incursions are actually real or in terms of reporting, whether the reporting is erroneous. Right. So and they're, they're, there have been... There have been documented accounts of erroneous reporting. Gentlemen, I right. think what's going on here with the FAA is that they are um, – I think they're purposely erring on the side of caution, uh, and, and they're, I, they're being a little more strict than they probably could be initially, and then they will slowly relax those as time goes on instead of doing it the other way around because from a safety aspect – the the other way poses more risk, uh, so it it does make sense to be a little more strict right off the bat, and then to relax it as time goes on. When they when when they start seeing the data come in that hey these things aren't really that dangerous, they don't pose a significant risk, and they'll start to relax it as time goes on. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at. Um, the number of when they talked about registering your unmanned aerial system and, and at first I guess people thought it was just quadcopters or hexcopters or whatever but actually if you have an aircraft that's over half a pound it should be registered mm -hmm. you know even if it's an airplane even if it's fixed wing so I looked at so on the FAA's website you can check the number of registrations I, I've boiled it down to pretty much my neighborhood. 
And in my neighborhood, there were 255 registrations. Wow. Um, really? And that was just just within uh, my little zip code. And I live in Northern Virginia. So my little zip code in Northern Virginia, 255 registrations. And wow. so you're Time looking five dollars. Times times five bucks, and that's yeah, and that's if you didn't that's if you didn't get in early to get your five dollar refund. That's right. Which which I didn't register at first because the AMA was in that tug of war. Yep. Well, right now we're telling our members not to. Well, we're telling our no 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 no, and then all of a sudden, I think it was, I was at uh, air show that they have out in Manassas, and AMA happened to be there, so I walked up to a guy in AMA, I said, hey, you know, I know there's been this tug of war. What are you guys telling us? I haven't really seen anything. Well, we're telling our members to go ahead and register. Yeah, okay, whatever. So, I mean, $5, it wasn't going to kill my bank, but I went ahead and did it um, because I want to make sure I'm following, you know, make sure you're following (laughs) the rules. You're you're being responsible. I I paid my $5, too. Me, too. too. (laughs) Gentlemen, we have to keep in mind, and and for all of you listeners out there, just remember that there are five. No, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. There are four. I was going to say five because Air Bears is considering filing suit against the FAA. But right now there's four lawsuits against the FAA for several things, including the registration. So right now the FAA is building a house of cards because if only one of those lawsuits is successful, then we have to start this all over again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing comes tumbling down. Scary thought, but uh, that's the current situation. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but that's that's the way it is right now. Yeah, it is. Can I take this this outside of the the recreation flying slash whatever everything else is under 107? What what if I want to uh, build and market, let's say, an autonomous mapping? drone of some sort. Where does that fall under FAA the word, rights? The, the, the fact that you said the word market? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. I want to make right. money on this. Say, why not? That's 107, my friend. That puts you in a commercial. So that's, commercial. Okay, that's commercial. But yeah. under 107, that autonomous mapping drone has to be within line of sight. Yes. So what you're telling me is the FAA is still hamstringing the UAV uh, industry in that they're not allowing the development or at least not the use of autonomously operating drones within the United States. No, not not quite. That's not quite true. You can in in the in the one oh in the 107-2 advisory circular, which is basically uh, it kind of boils down the whole what is it? like 86-page 107 regulation document, kind of boils it down a little bit. Um, you can use autonomous, you can use a drone autonomously. Okay. Uh, there are certain situations, uh, there, there are certain stipulations that still be, must be met. Uh, the visual line of sight is one of them. Right, Regardless but- of whether you're controlling it or whether it's controlling itself, still needs to be within your, but your vision. That's a serious restriction that would prohibit uh, say the development of something like a mapping drone or a package delivery drone, say with Amazon or something like that. Well, not necessarily, because th- there's other there's other ways uh, 
that those um, those stipulations can be met. One of them is, um, I think, you know, 107 states that if you if you're flying your aircraft and and we have to start using the word aircraft because that's what the FAA that's what calls everything now. Yeah. Well, so, it, it, to be honest with you, I I'm think that's what I have in my mind. This is a legit, fairly sizable, over 55 pound autonomous operating aircraft. Oh, if it's over 55, then you're yeah. not talking 107 anymore. No. Yeah. So that's, you're that's talking. You got to no, be a registered pilot. Different. This is a registered aircraft. Yeah. You're talking N numbers. You're yeah. talking. Okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. And, and I can't answer those questions because that's well, and, beyond my knowledge base. But I just wanted to make sure there was some place out there for something like that because I know people are going to be developing these things and there is a place for them. Oh yeah, and I would hate to see government restricting industry no, in that way. You're you're talking about getting an airworthiness certification, okay. uh, certification from the F FAA, getting an N number, getting it registered, pretty much all the all the the hoops and. And hurdles that you have to do for full-size aircraft. Okay. Yeah, anything yeah. over 55, it's not what they consider okay. SUAS. It's not small. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Because even the AMA has special regulations for anything over 55 pounds. Sure. Um, when you're right. flying your standard RC as well, so yep. it yep. comes into a whole nother realm at that point. Right. And, okay. and the 107 is it's it's restrictive, but it does allow, uh, for example, like the guys that want to do like pipeline uh, inspections, they need to fly for like miles at a time. Mm -hmm. That can be done under 107. And what they do, one of the ways it can be done is that you have the guy that's, let's say, let's say you have a two-mile range on your transmitter. So mm -hmm. you have a buddy, you park him two miles ahead of where you are the next guy two miles ahead of where he is, and you just kind of leapfrog from transmitter to transmitter. Okay. And that, that that's legal under 107. Interesting. Yeah, so there, there's ways you can do it. They're cumbersome, and, and it, you know, it doesn't make it easy, but there's there's ways of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it difficult, okay. though. Yeah. So, you know, what makes it difficult is for, for like, us Air Bears, uh, you know... <laughs> It's kind of they kind of say one of the one of the benchmarks of they when they say like that you made it is starting to get hate mail. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yay for me uh, because really? when, when we had to say you know you have to get the 107 now to do this, um, that that hurt a lot of people's feelings, including my own. But um, yeah, technically, if if your own child like didn't come home one night and you wanted to put your quadcopter up to see if you could find him or her, mm -hmm. if you're not certified, that's illegal. Right. Which is crap. And it, yes. <laughs> I'm yes. sorry. There ain't and no that's, way to yeah. say it. It's crap. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the, so one of my members asked a question. They said, I said, well, what if my hobby is search and rescue? What if my hobby is helping my community stay safe? What if I consider that my hobby? And that's what got us thinking that, okay, well, yeah, he has a point here. There's a valid, a valid argument to be made that now the FAA is starting to define what we can do for fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we strongly believe that that is beyond the scope of their authority. 
Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Scott, to, to your point, uh, I think, again, I think this is where government cuts its nose off to spite its face. Um, when you have community-based organizations such as Air Bears, who the sole focus is to be there for the community in the community's time of need, to throw up a hurdle or a stumbling block does more to harm the community than it does to meet some kind of safety requirement. I understand for the FAA, they have to manage all of this airspace, and it's the national airspace is huge. I get it. But at the same time, for organizations that are out there to help other people, there's got to be something that you can do to relax those requirements because it's not like Air Bears is going out there working by themselves. You're going out there probably with some law enforcement agency or some other rescue organization, and you're operating in conjunction with in order to bring people home, to find that lost hiker, to look for whomever it is that you need to look for. And so uh, I think, too, I think there needs to be not just from the RC community, but I think from the search and rescue community, um, from our law enforcement community, having them step up also and say, wait a minute, FAA, you know, we get it. Look, we get it. You want the airspace to be safe, so do we. But we have situations where if you hamstring our ability to help bring people home, that doesn't help us. That doesn't help the community. And, and as a government organization, you're here ultimately to serve us. Well, not the other way around. Right. Well, yeah, that's a novel idea. <laughs> no, you, you bring up a good point, and that is the, the, the FAA's sole purpose is the safety of the national airspace, and, 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 you know, public safety of the national airspace. So you're right. I mean, why would they want to stop an organization who's trying to keep the public safe? <laughs> yeah, well, and, well, so, right. and, and, and I want to I interject right here a little bit because I've got uh, Ryan Papp uh, actually asking a question talking about uh, uh, assisting fire departments with uh, either search and maybe using FLIR uh, for spotting yep. at a fire station. Love Ryan. He's like awesome. Um, he says fire departments can't even buy and use phantoms right now. Wow. That's that's true. Yes, because in order to do it, they have to be 107. Right. Well, and, and well, to, for an example, there was an article that I read just recently, and actually, uh, I need to pull it to make sure I'm I'm citing it properly. I don't want to not give credit where credit's due. Uh, there, of course, I'm in insurance. I'm an insurance geek. I've been in claims for almost 20 years. Uh, there's a company called ISO um, that. Put they and what they are is a company that works with insurance companies, and they put out publications. And one publication they put out was in terms of their emerging issues publication. It talks about exploring drones. And as a matter of fact, in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is a stone's throw from where I am, the local fire department has purchased um, uh, two or three uh, drones for use because what fire departments want to use them for is um, to search for hotspots in buildings. You don't want to send and risk firefighters uh, by putting them in spots where you know the building is going to collapse. And so using certain things like FLIR, you can tell, okay, this part of the building is really, really hot. The structure is most likely going to collapse. 
I can't put my guys there because I'm putting them in danger. And so, um, again, it, it talks about how um, these things are going to come up. The uses are going to come up. There was another article just recently, uh, August 2nd, 2016, uh, on the blog for the White House. Uh, harnessing the potential of unmanned aircraft systems technology. And guess what they talk about? Damage assessment, search and rescue, uh, scientific research, those type of things. And so I know as far as the insurance industry is concerned, I know that uh, drones, and I, I, I hate using that term, but it, it's a term that, simp that has stuck. Yep. Yep. Uh, so stuck. drones... <laughs> drones are, are the insurance industry is looking at it for damage assessment mm -hmm. you know in terms of going into an area where you have several homes affected you could put up a drone and, and take a look at entire blocks versus okay. having to go house by house like the situation that happened down in Louisiana a couple weeks ago yep absolutely excellent excellent example uh, just to clarify there there are methods in place where uh, government agencies can use this technology without getting a 107 oh. and what they have to do is they have to they have to do a lot of paperwork and get a contract for public or civil operations um, and that is that's one way they can do it now unfortunately for from an air bears perspective we don't that option doesn't work for us because we're unable to respond to an emergency situation if we have to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork and then and submit it to the FAA and wait for them to him hot over it and then say, okay, yeah, you guys can go look for this little Alas girl that happened two and a half weeks ago. Right. Yeah, that happened mm. a month ago. Right. Yeah. So that's why we we've uh, we strongly encourage our membership to get the 107. Uh, it's really the only legal way at this time that we can offer our services. Right. And what is the uh, what is the cost for that test? Uh, it's all $150 for the test. And it's a okay. two-year uh, certificate, correct? It's good. Yep, it's good for two years. Now, I don't know if they plan to charge us another $150 to, to uh, renew our certification or not. I don't know. I haven't seen any information on that. But, um, yeah, so once you pass the test, it la it's good for two years. And you've been studying for that test, correct? Yes, I have. So do you feel the study material is relevant? Uh, to your operations? Um, hmm. <laughs> that I mean, do you no. feel like this is a, uh, what I'm asking is, does this assessment, uh, is, is it a valid assessment in your opinion based on what you have to study? Um, I think, I, I'll just say right now, I've gained a much, much higher respect for pilots, like, like full-scale pilots. These are very, very, very smart people. You practically have to be a weatherman to fly a plane. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's just one aspect of it. Um, I think, now, you have to bear in mind that no one has seen the test yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is all speculative as far as what's going to be on it. Uh, right. There are some pretty, pretty good educated guesses out there. Uh, there are some good study guides. Some of them people want you to pay for, and some of them are free. I'm going the free route because I'm cheap. Uh, and uh, so I've been studying it, and it seems like there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't really necessarily need to know, mm -hmm. like 
stay at least 500 feet away from a cloud? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to fly. <laughs> yeah. Especially when I have, I, my ceiling is 400 feet. Right. So it, it kind of, I'm like, do I need, I hope the test doesn't have that on it because, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's things in there that don't really pertain or translate to what we as, as hobbyists, as volunteers, as model flyers need to know. That being said, there are some things that are good. We mm -hmm. all must recognize uh, controlled airspace. Last thing we want to do is cause some injury to somebody uh, flying around in a real plane. So that's, that's an important aspect. Uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I think that a 107 is good in that respect. Um, I, I, I think that they just need to... I just have to be patient. I, I've learned in the past two years not to get all flustered and up in arms about everything that the FAA says because it doesn't take long for them to change their mind and start coming out with revisions and this, that, and the other. And, and I and if, if, if history is any example, that's going to continue to happen. But gentlemen, let me give you an example of why uh, some of these rules make a lot of sense. So talking to my dad the other day, he says, hey, I went and saw a St. Paul Saints game. We have a, a minor league team here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, and they have a brand-new stadium that is right in the heart of downtown St. Paul. And he says, yeah, during one of the uh, intermissions, during one of the uh, innings, they're flying a drone. And I'm like, can you tell me a little bit more about this, Dad? <laughs> he says, yeah. He says, so they pull an audience member out, and they have him the controls, and what, what? they Are you? do is he has to fly. No, just listen. It gets worse. So he has to fly this little drone and try and land it on like a four-foot pad. And if he does, then he wins a prize. And I'm like, okay. So let me get this straight. Now, bear in mind, gentlemen, that downtown St. Paul is within a mile of St. Paul Regional Airport. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I said, let me get this straight, Dad. So they're flying a commercial aircraft, and they're handing over the controls to this commercial aircraft to someone who is not qualified to pilot it. And, and they're doing it before. They're doing it inside a stadium where there is a standing uh, temporary flight restrictions against flying in stadiums. And they're doing it within Class B airspace. Class B, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I called the business manager for St. Paul Saints, and I'm like, guys, I introduced my, I introduced myself, who I was, and I'm like, we're very interested and sensitive to the safe and legal operation of this technology. So, let you guys know that you could get into some really hot water with the FAA if you continue to operate this as the way you're doing it. I'd be happy to help you any way I could. So let's see. Maybe they'll hire me as a consultant. But who knows? But there you go. Yeah, it's it's stuff like that where education is key. Uh, wow. They they have they had no idea that they were doing anything wrong. Right. And you know, I'd be interested just from an insurance uh, <laughs> insurance oh, yeah. who their who their no. risk manager who their risk manager and their agent is because and and kind of going back to and about last the last um, episode when you guys were talking about safety. 
And that kind of goes back to, you know, why I guess the FAA is doing what they're doing, but why we do and why Flight Test does what it does when it, it's trying to educate the community. You could risk, so that sports team could risk not having any coverage at all if there's an accident. Because wow. if they're, first of all, violating FAA rules, they're f violating any kind of community-based organization's rules. Mm -hmm. um, there are specific exclusions in insurance policies that bar any kind of coverage for any willful or wanton, hey, that's not, you know, that's not good, no coverage kind of thing. And so I think that's why we do what we do. And Scott, to your point, in terms of uh, not uh, getting up in arms about what the FAA is doing, and I think once they have more of an exposure as to what's happening in the community, because there's no reason why you need to study what the difference between IFR and VFR flight is. That right. makes no sense, right? Um, especially for what we do. Um, typically, we're not flying through clouds. I don't know of too many people that want to lose their their uh, investment because even you know I, for my Phantom, I'm not going to fly it near a cloud. That thing is expensive. I, it, exactly. That's craziness. Yeah, that's right. insanity. And, and, and so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I actually got a question for you, Irby, because because you yep. you, you bring up a really interesting point because you know yep. being a previous homeowner and, and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. having to buy insurance and do all those things. Yep. Are 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 the insurance companies now writing specific policies saying we won't cover this? As as far as I know, there as far as I know, there are probably more people out there. Each insurance company is different. Mm -hmm. Typically in terms of homeowners policies, they're kind of written on the same basic framework. And that's across the industry. Um, they are taking a look at it. I haven't seen any exclusions. What they go back to is willful and wanton. So, or, or what they call expected, expected and intended. Yep. So, if you have an accident with a quad, if you're flying a quad in a dense area and you know that there's a possibility that you can have an accident, you can expect that that's going to happen you could be looking at a possible exclusion to where there's no coverage under the policy. Okay. And, um, and, 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 and here's the thing, the way, the way this hobby has always been, it's never been about if you're going to crash, it's a matter of when, when, <laughs> of when, right. And, and it's absolutely right. It's so, and so there's a way of, you know, how you operate the, the aircraft. It's the same thing with the AMA. So as a member of the AMA, if you are a park pilot, I think you have up to a million dollars in coverage. If you are a full member, full scale, whatever, have it, uh, I forget what the other level is, but that's up to $2 million. Well, In those policies are certain exclusions, and one of those is how you operate the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you're operating an aircraft in a way that violates that, from an insurance standpoint, we're going to look at how are you flying it as far as the community-based organization goes? Mm -hmm. If you're flying it in a way that violates that, chances are you're not going to be able to piggyback on your homeowner's policy for coverage. Right, right. And that's right. that's one of the things that I've heard is they always try to go after the homeowner's coverage first. The AMA has always tried to do that. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. I believe that the AMA insurance kicks in after any 
homeowner's insurance. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. From my understanding, yeah, that's the way it goes. They're from an excess know, basis. Yeah. The, the, right. We're going to, we're going to hit that homeowner's insurance first and then whatever's left over and then we'll pick up if we have to. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Cause, cause I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there that doesn't know that. So. Right. And, and that's the thing in terms of, uh, in terms of knowledge and, and educating. And I think what, what this has done, what the FAA is doing, it has really, I think, to a to a benefit of that, has has caused people to kind of educate themselves on things like safety and some of those uh, the, some of those very issues. And so, what Scott did by calling uh, calling the local minor league team has opened their eyes to. Huh? Maybe we need to do something like maybe a race around the bases versus <laughs> handing somebody an aircraft that could go flying into the stands and hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you imagine that in front of, you know, on the front page of the of the local right. paper? That makes us all look bad. Make, yeah. Yeah. And it makes us all look bad. And if it makes the front page of the paper, guess who's going to be knocking oh. on the door? The FAA yeah. is going to be next, saying, "Hmm, tell us about." Well, this. not only that, Irby, but then it all it does is make. The, the agencies that we're trying to help more apprehensive about calling air bears. It, right. It, it's just yeah. all this negative, all of this, you know, fear mongering, it just, it goes to hurt our, our overall goal and our cause. Uh, right. So yeah, that's why we're, we're doing as much education as we possibly can right now. Yeah, exactly. Hey guys, I'm going to run up stairs and grab another soda so sure. keep going i'll be okay. back in a sec yeah we'll hold down the fort for you yeah um yeah it's kind of well while we're on the subject um i don't know uh irby you may have met uh luis Rusi this year at flight fest um but he actually uh has been in insurance for 24 years and he says that uh he's had one request for information on drone insurance just one Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, like I said, the the insurance companies probably because, and uh, and I'm glad that uh, he chimed in on that because it's not something that we've seen uh, yet. Um, and I can, in terms of the claims that I've handled, and especially in terms of homeowner's liability, right. uh, I haven't seen any in my 18 years experience where it's involved uh, NRC aircraft. So uh, that speaks to the community, but it also speaks to the fact that um, uh, it's still early on, and with the changes in technology and the availability, maybe we start seeing them. Oh, you but will. I know in terms of the yeah. industry, uh, I know the insurance industry is uh, uh, looking at drones for damage assessment. Well, uh, according, according to what Luis is saying here, it says that ISO has exclusions already written for drones. Yeah, um, they they do, and it just depends on the insurance company that um, that adopts the the ISO policy. Okay. So it and it, and it could be it, again. It depends on when that policy takes effect, because policies take effect at different times. Right. Um, and it depends on the insurance company. But I wouldn't be surprised to see more exclusions for drones on policies. I, I really wouldn't, especially given the fact that. Everything that you hear about drones on the news is negative. Everything. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. It's terrible. But, uh, you know, in, instead of just keep going down this poor rabbit hole of, of how bad everything is and all that, 
<laughs> I really want to get with Scott a little bit and talk about some of the good things that the Air Bears have done that he can speak about. <laughs> so Yeah, well, uh, like I said, we've been focusing a lot of uh, – a lot of our – focus has been on education recently because mm -hmm. as I stated with all of this legal turmoil it's kind of uh, made the agencies a little apprehensive about calling us but uh, we did do you guys know about the horses <laughs> the horses I heard the horses. about the horses let me tell you about the horses yeah tell us about the so horses so I got a so I got a I get a this is past this past uh, spring I get a call from our local sheriff over in Carver County. He says, hey, you're with Air Bears. I said, yeah. I said, will you help us train our horses? And I was like, what? <laughs> we're drone guys. We're not cowboys. <laughs> uh, and he said, well, what's going on is, is our mounted police divisions occasionally when they're at a, like, say, a big outdoor music festival or a parade, they'll sometimes they'll be a little drone up in the air. And our horses are spooked by it. Oh, wow. And so... We need to address this issue. Will you help us? And I'm like, absolutely. So now we've been working with Carver and uh, a couple of other counties here in the Twin City metro area. We go out uh, to their ranches with our membership, and we have a training program, and we get their horses used to drones. That's um, awesome. Right, right at the cool. beginning, uh, we highly recommend that some of these exercises that we provide perform are done dismounted <laughs> so these horses was said they'd never seen these things and it's interesting some of them could care less but some other horses they get really freaked out uh, but by the end of our training program which we offer for free to our entire membership on our website mm -hmm. um, we get when they get done with that the the horses are are well acclimated um, and and the authority they love it. They they consider this to be very 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 high value. Uh, it's way better for them from a safety aspect to find out if their horse is scared of a drone in a controlled environment yes. than when those guys are out on the field trying to get a job done. Um, well, you so don't want a horse. That's been a really really in, in a good positive either, thing. So. No, <laughs> no, no. You, you know you don't want some one thousand pound animal getting all. <laughs> upset in a crowd of people. Yeah, that, exactly. That's not good. That's yeah, you think a drone's going to cause some problems? Yeah, wait till that thousand-pound horse starts running around crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so but what, we're find, what we're finding out is that the applications for this technology is seemingly endless. And I'll give you a perfect example. So we went to, this past uh, spring, uh, we went to the very first search and rescue uh, symposium put on by the University of Nevada and all the guys who are like professional search and rescue people were at this event uh, including Gene Robinson and if you don't know who Gene Robinson is he is practically the godfather of search and rescue with drones he's the guy from Texas EcuSearch oh yes, which yes. he's the one that challenged the FAA when the FAA said hey you can't do that and he said Really? Yeah, he was Try the first. He was the first one, right? <laughs> he was the first yeah. one, and he goes around the world and does this. So he was in a situation overseas somewhere, and it was a horrible, like, flood disaster. Their communication was literally hand-delivered notes. Wow. 
That's how they were communicating. So somebody had an idea. So you guys know when you take your, your cell phone and you're trying to send your buddy a text and you don't have service, well, your cell phone keeps that message in a little queue. And when your phone gets service, it immediately sends it. So what they were doing was they were typing a text message, strapping their phone to the drone, and sending it sky high until it got service. And that's how they were communicating. Oh, oh that's now, a good idea. Yeah. Oh, totally. So now, I mean, it's a communication repeater. It's a communication device now. Uh, stuff like that never even, never even came into our minds. But... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic use, and you know what? You don't have to be a good pilot just to go up and down. So, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. down's really easy. <laughs> so, yeah, right. yeah, the down part's so easy. I mean, gravity yeah. sucks. <laughs> right, undefeated. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've got a member in Greece. Uh, he signed up. He, um, he downloaded a little brochure that we offer on our website, and he went to his local consulate office and said, introduced himself, said what he had and what it did, and they were like, oh, my God, thank you for showing up. We need wow. you, like, right now. And he has been working with them ever since to help them manage the refugee crisis that's going on over in Europe. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, things like that. Um you know, over in Australia, they're using them. They're combing the beaches for sharks. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Sharks, um, saltwater crocs. <laughs> yeah, any, anything. So, yeah, actually there's been more more beneficial uses overseas than there has been here in the States. Is for, that for obvious reasons? Because of the restrictions right. or the, yeah, the, the turmoil? Right. Exactly. Well, I think I think what you'll find there too is that uh, the embrace of technology uh, over in other areas happens a little faster than it does here. You mean like um, Texas? <laughs> 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 they, they do or, whatever or, they or, want or, down or, there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's true. And they're um, doing great. Can, that state has embraced it. They're doing fantastic work down there. Yeah. Well, they're a country in and of themselves. Yes, I mean, that's pretty right. much. Well, it makes you wonder what, what that technology could do, say, for instance, uh, in a town in Italy that just uh, suffered that uh, earthquake. Earthquake. six or seven point uh, earthquake yep. uh, with all of those lives lost, uh, you know, being able to use that technology for search and rescue for damage assessment things of that yes. nature yes and you know, I think just even for damage assessment you know Patrick mentioned the floods down in Baton Rouge being able to because resources are limited um, you know for the feds they can spend money like whatever but for our local communities our local fire departments sheriff's departments what have you resources are limited so being able to marshal and put those resources where it makes sense to be able to use a drone to fly over uh, a half square mile area and say, okay, we need to put our fire department over there. Our sheriffs need to go there. We need to set up a uh, temporary shelter here. To be able to do that real time, uh, I think is, is very beneficial and just something that um, can really help really bridge the community 
with the, the uh, service providers, meaning your fire department, your police departments, just bridge them together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, firemen are calling the drone the best firefighting tool since the hose. <laughs> um, they absolutely love this technology, and we anticipate that a, that a, a copter of some type is going to be standard issue equipment in every fire truck, every police squad car. You know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna look back someday at drones the same way we think about cell phones. Like, what did I ever do right. before I had my cell phone? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I well, there's um, there was a a video that was on uh, my Facebook feed that I had shared, and there's a company over in Europe. I want to say they're in Germany, and they are developing a drone that can carry an automated uh, the automated external defibrillator. Oh, right. It's the ambulance drone. Yep. Yeah, and so you take a look at where technology eventually is going to go, where it's coming and where it could go, and talk about the embrace of that technology to be able to deliver something that can save a life, you know, to, to get to that point. Um, I think they will be, you know, um, much further ahead than than we are once you know we start talking about embracing the the technology and what it could do right um, and it's funny because I you know as I'm looking at this thing I'm like how could it do that and last week in my job I underwent first aid training because we have to do that every year to stay current mm -hmm. and uh, the um, folks that were putting on the training had this little device about the size of my cell phone so a little thicker and I said, is that a defibrillator? He said, yeah. I said, and that actually, how long could that last? Well, it could give up to four shots at 150 joules each. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I said, huh, I guess you could, you know, attach that to a drone and take it to a location and at least begin some life saving, at least until paramedics arrive, yeah. to, to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that video. They were saying, claiming, you know, the, depending on how it's set up, you could get the drone there within a couple of minutes versus 10 minutes or something like that with the first responders. Oh, right. huge. I mean, it makes perfect it's sense. It's big, big time-saving. Yeah. 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 We can we can deliver a life jacket to somebody who's drowning in seconds instead yeah. of a lifeguard swimming out to them. I, I actually remember last year in Texas when they had uh, the flooding down there and they showed a couple... Uh, that was stranded at their house, and they were trying to get them out and couldn't figure out how to get them over this, to, to give them anything. And this guy had a phantom, and he took, oh. a, he took a rope over to the people, and then they were able to get life jackets and were be able to be pulled out of their house because they couldn't get them any other way. It, it, was, yep. it was really wow. amazing to see, and, and those are the kind of things that, that I think we need to show more. Um, you know, the people and that, need to and see that... more. And, and that guy's name is Garrett Brill, and he's been a founding member of Air Bears since day one. There you go. Because oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that video, and I was like, oh, my God. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I bought a Phantom uh, was because of, of, of those kind of things. I mean, it wasn't the only reason because, you know, again, at some point, I would still like to do some aerial uh, video photography <laughs> and stuff like that. But sure. when I saw that, I mean, I saw first the fear on the people's faces in the house and then i mm. saw the relief 
after that drone, and they weren't scared of it at all. I mean, when it when it flew down there, I mean, he hovered it right there, and that guy reached right up, and, un- did, and then the guy took off. I was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. Yeah, when your life is on the line, you'll accept help from anything or anyone. Exactly. Yeah, that uh, that was scary at all. Then. Those were uh, those were two of four people he saved that day. Really? Oh, wow. The other the other two people were uh, they were in their pickup truck. They tried to drive through some very deep water, and we all know what happened after that. So they searched for that truck for three hours. And uh, Garrett showed up with his Inspire, and he found him in 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's proof of concept right there. We know this can work because it already has. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah. and again, I think, I think the education needs to get out there, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, trying to give back to the community and, and, and educate them. And, I mean, I know most of the flight test community already knows this stuff, but maybe they'll share it with somebody else. Maybe something well, it, that'll happen, you know? And people need to start being more vocal about the positive nature of it, you know? Yeah. Just, I don't know, maybe challenge. When you see a ridiculous news story on the news, maybe simply shoot a message and say, hey, guys, that was yellow journalism. Why don't you talk about this aspect of it or something? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There'll be a... Uh... Let's see, in the, in the upcoming issue of Drone 360 magazine, there will be an article about air bears. Uh, so okay. word is slowly getting out uh, that, that uh, some, of the, some of the beneficial uses, some of the positive things that are happening, uh, because we all know that uh, the, 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 typically the media likes to focus on the negative because that's what gets people to watch. Uh, well, of course. People yeah. love drama. Right, right. So the good stuff isn't always as exciting, but um, yeah, well, that, that's a that's a good thing that's happening. Yeah, well, I you know I just got another message from uh, Ryan. He says you know the average response time for EMS is five to fifteen minutes. So you know we know we can go quicker than that generally. Well, see here here's another thing up here in the in the Great White North, uh, we have situations where people fall through the ice. Yep. So when something like that happens, you have three options. You have one, you got to get an airboat over there or a hovercraft, or somebody has to literally like scoot a John boat or a canoe mm-hmm. to go get that person. We can get them a lifeline within seconds. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about the current way that we do things. We could do things a new way. But... Uh, Something about human nature that we fear what we don't understand, and we like to like the reaction to something that is unknown is that I'm afraid, and I must kill it. Um, so <laughs> one of the biggest problems that we're having right now is people being shot out of the sky. Yep, it's happened five times. Uh, most recently, I believe, over in Vermont, next to Robert Duvall's house. Right, Virginia, so, which is actually the Virginia. only reason. Virginia. Oh, okay. really? All right. Yeah, okay. he has, he has a place in Virginia. Why it made the news, and and I I'm not positive on the details of whether or not this actually happened or not. Apparently, it did. Uh, it happened. Yeah, this is this is another that uh, great. So, um, my problem is, 
these people are shooting down aircraft. Mm-hmm. And exactly. the FAA about it that really yeah. needs to change. They yes. they they have they they put out a little memo and they said, hey, by the way, that's you can't do that, and that's it. They haven't. Yeah. Well, the FAA can't prosecute. That's the the Department of Justice. That's their job. Yeah. But nothing's. There's no consequence. No. Yeah. That. That's just, that's trub- troubling to me. I remember the one down in Kentucky that guy did, you know, he shot it down right. with a shotgun in the middle of town. He didn't even get a ticket for discharging and, a firearm within the city limits. Yeah, and eventually no got thrown out. That's, that's disturbing. Uh, even even Garrett down in Texas, the guy who si- saved four people's life, they've taken pot shots at him. Yeah, and I've, I've, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, aren't you? You're like a local hero down there. And he's got, he says, got down to Texas. There's some people don't even own a TV. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, education is key. <laughs> yes. Well, ex- exactly. You know, education is a big part of it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on, Scott, because I know you can you can definitely put a positive spin on it and 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 show it for what it really is instead of what the media is trying to show. Yeah, yep. the, the the positive is the is the potential, uh, the, the the amount of good that this technology can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people are afraid of their privacy being violated. People are afraid of drones someday maybe delivering a bomb. Those are legitimate concerns. Uh, right now, those they don't have the capability to really do that. But the point we have to all remember is that any technology can be used for good or bad. Yeah. And the example that I like to use is lasers. You know, lasers came out, and you know, people thought they were really cool. They started using them to point at things on on whiteboards and 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 cats. Oh my God! Cats. cats where would them. where would cats be without <laughs> laser pointers? You know? Yeah. Where would we be without um, that enjoyment? <laughs> exactly. They're fixing they're they're doing surgery with eyes, all this kind of great stuff. So I don't think there's I think most the, the most of people would agree that lasers are a beneficial technology. But there are some people that think it's really fun to shine it at an aircraft going by, and that blinds the pilot. Yep. In fact, they call them. They have a specific name. They call them laser strikes, mm-hmm. and um, so, that's, so that's a perfect yep. example of something is very similar. Of a very simple technology can be used for good or bad. You, you just you can't fix stupid. Stupid right. people are going to keep right. doing stupid things no matter what we do. Well, probably my favorite, the favorite quote I ever heard, and I have no idea who started it, but you can teach it to them, but you can't learn it for them. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> And I really like yeah. that because it's so true. I mean, you can teach it to them and teach it to them, but you can't learn it for them. And and people that have no common sense will never have common sense. Right. It, it really, the only the only option is uh, is to overwhelm the bad with the good. Right. Well, and yeah, exactly. Well, well and also it's kind of that uh, old adage, and we use it now uh, ever since nine eleven. Uh, you know, it's been especially you're you know going through an airport or any kind of mass uh, transit. If you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of the hobby, it's got to be the same way. Uh, we can't be 
to the point to where if we see somebody operating a, a, a quadcopter, hexcopter, glider, you know, aircraft, whatever, uh, in a manner that's not safe, we can't be so wrapped up within ourselves to think that it's not our responsibility to walk up and say, hey, you know, eh, you might want to do this a little differently. You know, right. you don't have to go up and say, you're not flying that correctly, you're not safe, this, that, and other thing. Right. Yes. But at the same time, be able to say something. Yes. If, if you're at a local park and somebody's with a park flyer and they're flying it too close to people, being able to come up and say something uh, to help educate because we want the hobby to be safe for everybody. We, you know, we want to, like Scott said, we want to overwhelm the bad with the good. To be able to, to turn it into something good, you educate people, then you have uh, one less person out there to do uh, something stupid to, to put a black eye on the hobby. Yeah. C correct. We're, we're, not, we, we're not here to enforce these rules. Right. We're just, we, can, we can educate. Uh, uh, one of the one of the really good aspects of being an Air Bear member is this really bright, cool T-shirt that they we give away for free. Uh, you know, we're we're the people that know the rules. We we've flown, we have the skill, we have the equipment, and we can be ambassadors to the people, to the up and comers, to the newbies who are just starting to get into it. And there's nothing better. Whenever I go fly, I try and I you know. I wear my shirt as much as I can uh, because I'm often approached by people who are skeptical of my motivations for flying. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times they've asked me if I was a cop. Are you can do that? Are you a cop? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm an Air Bear member. We use these and we help save people's lives. And they're like, what? Really? You know, you have an opportunity to change somebody's mindset because uh, right now our two biggest Air Bears – our two biggest hurdles right now is public perception and funding. Yep. Uh, the funding, we don't really have too much control over that. Wish we did make my life a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> but we do have some control over public perception. We can get out there and we can try, you know, uh, those FPV goggles are worth their weight in gold, my friends. Yes, Take them are. wherever you can. And when you fly, pass them around. Let them see what we see and they will... There, you can watch their minds change right before your eyes. Yep. Hmm. Uh, they and a lot of times, while they are looking through my goggles, I'll ask them, say, "Can you see inside that house over there?" <laughs> right. And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Can you see inside any of the cars nearby?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Right," because this is really not a very good tool for spying on somebody. Right. You really don't have to worry about that. They're not. They're not good at it. Well, I've, uh, I've actually. Got and they're like, well, what? They're saying, well, well, you could always, you know, you should always get closer to that house. And I'm like, you're right, but you've heard you this thing sound? fly. <laughs> I'm like, do you think you can like just ignore a 25 pound bee that's near you? <laughs> well, and, and, and that takes me to a story. Um, last year, I actually took my uh, Phantom down to uh, Springfield, Missouri, where my father-in-law lives. And he's never been around anything like that before. And he knows I fly and all that, but he never really said much about it. And I took I took the Phantom down there and had my iPad on it and took off. And, and you should have saw him. He was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yep. He was like, I, I would have thought, you know, this thing would have been a little hokey or whatever. And 
And he goes, the picture's really clear. He goes, but yet I can't really see anything going on. I mean, I can, but I can't. I mean, I can tell what things are, but I can't really, you know. And he goes, and it's loud. It's much louder than I expected it to be. And I'm like, exactly. And, right. You know, I can't, I would rather take my Nikon DSLR with a 300 millimeter lens if I was going to do something like that and spy on right. somebody, somebody, I could do that and they would never even know I was looking. Correct. I mean, with, mm-hmm. with with the Phantom, everybody's going to know I'm looking. <laughs> hey, everybody's going to know. Right. Yeah, you're not sneaking up on anybody. Yeah, no yeah. one. So, it's, a, it's a horrible tool for that job. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, until they come out with a stealth one, I just don't see it, you know. <laughs> and they're going to have to get a whole lot better right, with cameras. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. It, it, it was pretty cool because I mean he's seventy one years old and, and and he was just he was astounded by number one how loud it was but but number two uh, just watching it I mean he was just amazed never seen anything like that before yeah uh, I mean that reaction is is typical when yeah. we when we helped uh, over here in Western Wisconsin we helped uh, um, new uh, new Richmond Fire Department. And when the fire chief saw our video feed, he was like, this changes everything for me. Wow. He says, awesome. no, no longer do I have to, like, we were just helping him with a, with a controlled grass fire. He's like, I, I don't have to react to what the fire is doing. I can be ahead of the game with this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can get my guys out of trouble before they're even in trouble. Yep. And, uh, and now, let me speak a little bit about drone racing. Okay. Because... These these kids that are flying these copters and they're able to shoot through gaps and this, that, and the other mm-hmm. represent a huge potential to their local community because when you're mm-hmm. talking about a structure fire, one of the best pieces of information that a fire chief wants to know is whether this building is going to collapse on my guys if I send them in. Yep. The only way they can do that right now is to send a guy in and take a look around. Well, these drone racing guys already possess these skills that allow them to fly inside a building, check it out, come back out, and get that information to them without having to risk any fireman's life. Exactly. So uh, you drone racers, God bless you. Keep flying. Keep flying fast. <laughs> keep flying tight. Keep flying cool. Because one day you're going to help save some firemen's lives. And, and if you want to be an air bear, we'd love to have you, man. And teach, we'll and get teach a some, shirt out to you as fast as we can. And teach some of us old guys how to do that, too. That's right. That's, <laughs> I'm trying, but, boy, I'm not very good at it yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm better with the fixed wing. I can, I can race better with a plane than I can the quad. I'm much better well, with fixed wing, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, Pat's, Eric... Um, <laughs> Eric Monroe posted a video of uh, a flight that he did with his new Lumineer quad, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to say I, he's got to be around my age. I don't consider myself old, but uh, he definitely was zipping in, you know, in and out of gates and tight turns and all of that. So, yeah, <laughs> they're, Eric's they're, a great pilot. Eric, yeah. Eric does everything well. Everything that he does, he does well. Well, if my job was <laughs> flying around for a living, I'd be good at it, too. <laughs> no, I'm talking about everything he does. From yo-yos to what, dude? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah, he's a coffee out. aficionado, so he's, he's oh great. Oh, my God, he makes the best coffee in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How old are you, Irby? Uh, I turned 46 in June. Okay, so you're my age. Okay. Wow. I'm 45. Yeah. I'm 46. So, so. All right. Hey, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. We're <laughs> <laughs> the babies of the group. Yeah, I'm the old. Well, I'm, I'm the old I, man. I just I could. I consider my myself and my wife would agree. I'm I'm just a big kid, you know. Oh. RC was out of reach for me as a kid, and and it wasn't until I stumbled upon flight test actually that I found that you know I could get into the hobby and and get into the hobby where it's not going to break my bank. Sure. And uh, to now to be able to share it with my kids, uh, just hoping that uh, among other things in terms of legacy, they can pass that down to their kids that love of 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 flight. Uh, because it it and what the FAA probably doesn't realize is that for a lot of these kids that becomes the gateway to becoming a full scale pilot. Absolutely. Because they, oh, they know what? After you learn, after you pass this 107 test, you have got a good footing on the knowledge that you need to continue it and and go the, go the whole way. Uh, mm -hmm. That that test that test is basically taken from the from the the uh, the pilot's aeronautical knowledge yeah. handbook. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. So yeah. Well, I mean, we in the flight test community. I mean, we know two kids. Keegan. Yeah. Keegan is uh, all but a licensed pilot, and Paul Jennings. He oh, passes yeah. written. I guess he just needs to get a check ride. Wow. So yeah. that's so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, by the way, Scott, when you get done with that 107 test, we need to talk. <laughs> you, want, you want some answers well I don't, I don't care about getting the answers but i want to know what to study where to study and how to study oh just keep watching just keep watching the groups man oh, all that information is going to start flooding now, but we're we'll starting to take the test tomorrow so i do have a, start I do have a question info. what what is the cost to take the test and uh is it so for instance if you don't pass the test the first time are you having to pay over and over to take the test? Ooh. Okay. So, answer to the first question, it's $150 to take the test. Um, you have to get at least a 70% score. Mm -hmm. So, I believe the test is 60 questions long. Yes. So, you can miss, you can miss 18 and still pass. Uh, if you fail, you have to wait 14 days, 14 days before yeah. you can take it again and going to cost you another 150 bucks. Ouch. There's study hard. There's study motivation right there. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, here's what I'm wondering. How many people are going to go take that? I mean, people that would consider themselves recreation flyers, but maybe they're in that fuzzy area. Maybe they might want to go and shoot some real estate or something. I wonder how many people are going to take that test. You know, just kind of as a preemptive, I want to get this just in case I decide to. I, I'm thinking about I might do you know, um, I'm going to. We're, uh, Air Bears officially treats this 107 certification the same way we treated the registration. And that is we highly recommend it, but it is not uh, – your membership is not contingent on having that. In other words, it's, it's up to you. We're all volunteers, and um, if we'll have you on our, as our team member – um, whether you want to get registered or if you want to get the 107, uh, you can be a member either way. Um, but one, one of the things is, uh, uh, and I guess this will be a question that I would have, let's say you didn't go get your 107, but you were an Air Bear member. 
Yes. And, you know, the local police department said, hey, we need you here. Uh, and you go. And you're flying and you do that. And it just so happens we're going to say an FAA guy's a jerk. Not saying they are. Just saying, what if this guy is a jerk and he decides to, like, I don't know if they can charge you or, or I don't actually know what will happen there. But let's say yeah. this guy goes after you. So Right, right. Could that yeah. damage the Air Bears organization? Yes. No, because no, it, it doesn't. Uh, if In fact, we in our statement about the new policy is that if, if you decide to go out and help without the certification, then we can't, we can't cover you. Okay. We're not, you, you won't be covered under the Volunteer Protection Act, and uh, you're pretty much assuming all of the legal risks okay. for doing so. Yeah. Now, bear in mind that um, the FAA has said publicly that the only way they're going to be able to enforce these rules is by asking local law enforcement to help them do it. <laughs> well... Yeah, if Mike, you're those are the helping. guys that just asked to call. That they're the guys that called you and asked you to go help. Right? <laughs> yeah. hmm. This is why it's that's why Air Bears is different from any other organization that does this. We only go out and help when we're asked to by the authorities. Right. Okay. Yeah, because the same people that could possibly say, "Hey, you're breaking the law," are the people that are asking us to come out. And yeah, right. So yeah, good little point. bit of a catch twenty two there. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's and that's just a question I know people will have. Um, you know, I I I think I'm going to go ahead and probably do my 107 because I do want to do the aerial video and you know aerial photography as well. Just yeah, it so opens I'm, a lot of doors. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it, you know, because I got a buddy of mine right now that actually uh, wants me to fly some real estate stuff. And I told him no, I can't, because uh, I, I just I don't I don't feel like, even though I probably could, I don't want to. After you're tomorrow, doing the right you thing. Yeah. Oh, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, you're doing I, the right exactly. Thing. Yeah. You don't want to take the risk. I just don't want to take the risk, and and you know I would I would much rather have my 107, and and know that I can say yes, I'm doing this legally and correctly. And. You know, and and once I get that, then I absolutely am going to join the Air Bears and want to be part of that. Um, I know when I talked to you, oh my God, it must have been about a year ago um, when we spoke, and I'm kind of getting off on another subject a little bit, but uh, uh, I know you get put on a national database, and when the local uh, authorities, whether it be fire or police or whatever, uh, ask for your services and they call you, and you're not available, they're not liable to call you the second time. Well, actually what it does is, is when you're talking about like emergency response and, and volunteer work, uh, dependability is a high, high value sure. thing. So if they, if, they, if they say, oh, Mike, you know, you're the closest guy and you've got the right gear, we could really use you, and you know, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not available that decreases your chances that they may call you again. Right. Because, like, well, we called this one guy and he didn't come out and help us. What are the chances that he's going to do it again? Yeah. Uh, so so there's that. But, um, you know, there's there's guys that 
are taking this seriously. Oh my god, I met a guy at Flight Fest and he's got one of these like 40 foot RVs and he's like sectioning it in half and he's outfitting it with like huge LCD monitors inside and he's wow. making it at a command station Search and rescue for command when station. he goes wow. and helps Air Bears. So right. there are people that are like dead serious well, about doing this. Sure, but, uh, but, it, but yeah. again, my, my problem is is that I travel and I never know when. Sure. I no, mean, that's – and it's, you know, it's – right. It's, we all have lives. We're all yeah. busy. I get it. Uh, that's why That's why the strength of Air Bears is in this membership. The more people we have, the better chance that we can get out there and provide the help that's necessary. Because, like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you're in bed with the flu, but maybe your buddy that's only five miles away is available, right. you know. Right. So we yeah. get the word out. We're trying to tell people about it to be a part of um, as long as you're 16 years old and you have something that flies and carries a camera you qualify for membership right. you just go to airbears.org you fill out some simple contact info and you're on the team that's it's that's as simple as that sure okay um, well then, then I have a suggestion for you then sure for 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 maybe your database is uh, maybe people can check in and out um, to know who's available previous to a crisis you, you, you know what they say, great minds think alike, because <laughs> we're actually working on that very thing right oh, now. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah. nice. We, we have uh, our, our brand new website came out this just past, uh, just before uh, Flight Fest, yep. and uh, what we have now is uh, member profiles. So you have your own little profile section. You pretty soon will be able to put pictures of what you fly their individual capabilities, um, any particular like special skills or certifications that you have. So it's kind of like your volunteer resume. This is what you're bringing to the table. Um, and yes, we're going to be having your availability. Like, hey, I work 9 to 5, so chances of me helping you out Monday through Friday during these times kind of slim. Uh, so yeah, all that important information is going to be there. And when the authorities have a situation, they get to pick and choose the guys. Oh, sweet. That they like, oh, we got a fire. Some guy with a FLIR cam would be perfect. Let's see who's available. They pull, they use our search engine, see what's, see who the guys are out there, and they, they uh, contact them directly. So that's, uh, that's been working really good so far. And we're going to continue to add more features to our website as we, as we, as we grow, as we continue to do sure. it. Sure. Uh, right now, the most important thing is for us to get a little donate button on there because we put the website out and we have no donate button. Well, that <laughs> so needs like, to be fixed. You need to that's kind of important. London's <laughs> important. <laughs> so I told my guy, Tom, he's brilliant, our new webmaster. We just brought him on a board of directors. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, he knows nothing about drones, but we brought him on the board of directors because we felt it was very important to have someone who represents that community. That that you know, we want somebody on there that does know that knows nothing about drones. Because I can sit here and preach to you guys in the choir. You guys know a lot of this stuff, but he asks questions that never jumped into our minds. That's great. Uh, so he's been a very, very valuable asset to our board of directors, and I'm really glad to have him there. So he's, he's thanks, a, Tom. You're awesome. He's a Josh Scott. 
Exactly. Right. That's exactly what he is. Yeah, He's the perfect. Air Bears version of Josh Scott. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> and I think that's that that is perfect and what you need is folks who are laymen who think outside the box, who may not know right. uh yep. about the hobby, but who can think outside the box and ask those questions that mm-hmm. we would never consider. Yep. So that's yeah. that's perfect. So so here's a perfect example. He's like so you give them a T shirt, right? Then so they wear the T shirt when they go fly when when they go to help. And we're like, Yeah, he goes, What if it's laundry day? <laughs> 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 so Right now, we're working on Air Bears ID cards. We're going to have oh, those available nice. to our membership pretty soon. You'll be able to keep it in your wallet. There'll be a little slot punched in it at the top, so you can wear it around your neck like a That's like a lanyard type thing. That's what I was just going to say, because um, if you look right yep. here, there's the 20- exactly. Yeah. And yep, we're working on that right now, guys. Yeah, with, with a little uh, hole in because, it so you uh, in there. Yep, exactly. Yep. That's going to be, you'll have your name on it, and, uh, well, actually, you'll be able to, to write your name on it, and on the back side, you'll get to be able to put your FAA uh, registration number, mm-hmm. your 107 number if you have it, your your HAM call-out if you have one. Mm-hmm. So some, in, some, in, uh, some, you know, important, quick info in case somebody asks some questions. You really say, hey, you know, I'm an Air Bear. Here's my info. You know, just out here trying to help you guys. That's fantastic, man. That's that's a great idea. There's a so there's another thing that we offer to our entire membership, and that is a FLIR camera. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, we we uh, this FLIR camera was donated to Air Bears by my mom and dad. Oh, wow! Uh, How nice. So it it belongs to the entire membership. So we only have one of them. FLIR cameras are incredibly expensive. Yep. Uh, and mm-hmm. so what we've done is um, if, if an air bear gets called in to help and it's determined that this capability is a necessity for their mission, they just contact us, they give us some details, and we overnight that to them. Okay. Uh, and then they, they have to take care of it. They're responsible for, you know, treating it like the little baby mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then getting it back to us when they're done with it. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we want, to, we want to help our membership as much as we can. Um, that again, that depends a lot on funding. Um, batteries are a huge thing. Uh, we're trying to figure out a way where we can have uh, batteries. You know, these like phantom batteries and stuff—they're expensive, yes, they man. Are. I mean, about 150 I, bucks a pop. Yeah, my my car battery is way cheaper than what I'm using wow. to fly around my drones with. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so what we're trying to do is trying to figure out a way where we can have like a stockpile of equipment that we can like rent out or make make available to our membership in a in a short amount of time to, to make give them more capability. Um, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that we're working on behind the scenes, and we hope to have available to you guys pretty soon. Uh, but right now, that like I said, it all depends depends on our funding. We don't we don't have a an official sponsor yet, so uh, yeah, when I'm that happens. To be honest with you, yeah, I, you know, I am too. I figured like GoPro would be, you guys are awesome, and let us, because yeah. we're using lots of GoPro cameras. Oh yeah, you know, we're like, that's a good camera, you know. So, you know, GoPro's benefiting from what AirBears has done. How about mm-hmm. helping us out, you know? But um, we're we're still small. Uh, a lot of people think 
you know, getting back to the whole hate mail thing, a lot of people think that Air Bears is a lot bigger than we are and that we have some influence on the legislative process. Oh, no. Like, why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you lobby Congress? Why didn't you do this, that, and the other? I'm like, because uh, I work full-time, and so does the other five guys that are running Air Bears. You know? Yeah, exactly. you know nobody's getting paid here. So we're doing the best we can, my friend. I'm sorry that this is happening, but it's beyond our control. <laughs> hey, you don't have a lobbying office in Washington, no. D.C. that we, is uh, blocked away from Capitol Hill. Yeah, we, we are not the AMA. Not yet. Uh, not yet. Okay, so um, this has been fantastic, guys. Um, you, you guys have brought, I think, a lot of information to the table. It's been really informative for me. Um, Definitely for me. Uh, I You guys were like the two perfect guests to talk about this. Irby, from the insurance side of things, that, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. You know, that's something I wouldn't have really thought about. It, but you brought that to the table, and that was awesome. And the Civil well, Air Patrol. Yeah, that's right. a huge thing. Well, yeah. And, yeah, I didn't even get a chance to touch on that a lot. But, it's, uh, you know, before we started with the podcast, it's, um, you know, what I was talking about in regards to, I think, Civil Air Patrol from kind of a national perspective. Uh, they're looking at uh, drones and capabilities in terms of the emergency services aspect of the organization. Um, but also, as, as Scott alluded to and what we talked about as well, it, it tends to flow. You have uh, some ideas come from national headquarters, but also a lot of ideas that come from uh, the wing slash group slash squadron uh, size, you know, ideas that kind of bubble their way up to national as well. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if in a few years you, you see CAP kind of adopting that uh, capability uh, in its search and rescue. And, and to, to um, speak on, uh, Mike, what you were talking about in terms of availability, um, I was uh, my first go round through CAP. I was ground search and rescue certified, so I would get called in the middle of the night to go search for ELTs that are going off because the search and rescue satellite has picked up a signal. And so I'd go out in the middle of the night, traipsing around, going around airports looking for ELTs. And so, um, but based on we had a system where we knew which guys were available to go out at what time and things of that nature. So, uh, in terms of size and scope. You know, as Air Bears is growing, and as Scott is alluding to that capability, they'll know what guy, you know when guys are available and at what times. Uh, I think is awesome, but I think also just that that link with the community because CAP, we don't do search and rescue or emergency services alone. We don't do it in a vacuum. It's usually done with uh, with local law enforcement, fire departments, things of that nature in conjunction. Uh, there are some searches that are strictly, you know, CAP we get tasked uh, by the Air Force to do, uh, but a lot of what we do is community-based and, uh, and, and so we work hand-in-hand hand with, with the community. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I was really excited to do it, and uh, you know, hopefully, I get a chance to do it again. Yeah, you know, um, the uh, the CAP and Air Bears—that's that's a 
that's a, a marriage made in heaven, really, because basically Air Bears is doing the same thing that CAP does, except our planes are smaller, and we all know that size doesn't matter. So we should, should totally just work together on this. I think it would be great. Well, I, I think I think this is something that could start to be, you know, I mean, this could really start something then. I, I think uh, maybe you and uh, uh, Irby should get together a little bit and maybe talk to, you know, whoever's up the chain and try to get some of this done. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're doing that here locally, but the more people we have pushing for us, you know, like nationally, the more chances that this could actually become a thing. That would be yeah, I'll tell you, our national commander is Jim Vasquez, and uh, he's out of Maxwell Air Force Base down in Alabama. Um, like I said, I know it's something that they're looking at nationally, um, and a lot of that is going to come with um, being able to kind of show off what the technology can do. Once they see what the technology can do, uh, I think uh, you look at a, a greater adoption. And you know what Scott is seeing locally with fire departments and sheriff's departments. You'll see uh, on on a larger level, a larger scale. And I think when we get to the point to where CAP is involved to a greater extent of using uh, small unmanned aerial systems, you'll probably even see the FAA looking maybe kind of, huh, having to look at it a little differently as well. And I think even getting them more involved, you know, local FAA office or whatever, uh, you know, getting them involved and, and showing them, hey, this is what the community actually can do, and this is where we need FAA your help uh, in order to come around to help us achieve, uh, you know, the, the goals of at least being great ambassadors for the hobby. Yeah, and uh, and I'll touch on something you said just a minute ago about search and rescue being only one aspect of the services that you provide. Mm -hmm. uh, you're absolutely right. We've discovered this just in the past year alone. When I, when I started Air Bears, I called it search and rescue. That's what mm -hmm. our t-shirts say right now, but we're actually in the process of rebranding that. If you look at our website right now, it doesn't say search and rescue. It says UAV assistance. Uh, we wanted to broaden our our message to let the people who are interested in our services to let them know that we're not just search and rescue. We'll help you any way we can with what we have. Uh, so as a little incentive to people to sign up, we've only got a few more of these shirts that say search and rescue on them. And when they're all gone, that's the message. Is just going to change. So, like, if you have a shirt that says "Search and Rescue," it's kind of cool because, like, you're the guy that knew the band before they were cool. <laughs> you, you, you better put a large back, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Say one for you, Mike. Yes, sir. You got it, buddy. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, speak with you guys and speak with your listeners to help us get our message out. Because, like I said. It's all about our membership. We'd be nothing without the, the help and support and the enthusiastic support of the, uh, the, the hobbyists, the model building a, uh, community, and from guys like you that really care and want to help. Yeah. So thanks a lot for having me on. Well, we appreciate well, thank you coming you. on, man. I mean, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and it just hadn't worked out. But finally, you know, we were able to get this thing worked out. So I want to, you know, just thank both of you guys for coming on. And, of course, Pat, I always thank you, buddy, because, 
you know, uh, we really missed Joel tonight, by the way, and he wanted me to tell you guys hi, and he's sorry that he missed it, but uh, he had to go to Orlando soccer game, and apparently they won, so he's happy and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I'm okay with doing this again, my friend. Well, this is a good time. You know, we, yeah. uh, talking, we, having these type of things is great because you guys get it, you know. It's not like I'm having to talk to a public official or a city council where I have to say, you know, this is a quadcopter. <laughs> you know, we can skip all that and get to the real meat and potatoes of what we're doing. Yeah. And and this is a great forum for that. Well, I, I tell you, I've learned so much, and I hope our listeners have as well. And uh, by the way, I want to thank all the listeners for listening. And uh, you know, keep a lookout for the show notes because we're going to post in, of course, the Air Bears. Uh, uh, website and all that. Uh, we may even put the uh, Civil Air Patrol website up there as well so that people that uh, don't know a lot about it can go out and take a look at it for you, Irby. Um, you know, um, there is a, a video that uh, we talked about before the podcast that I, I'm probably going to link on there as well that uh, I, I know Ryan actually uh, linked it, and that's the one I was telling you about with the kid flying the, uh, the quad and, and the CGI thing and hit the helicopter. It's actually out on. Oh, the... I just saw that today. Yeah, yeah, I did too. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, he's like, uh, this is why the FAA is scared. Thank you, BBC. And he's got a link to the video and everybody needs to go out and take a look at this thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, kind of long, but you only need to look at like the first 30 to 45 seconds of it to see just how terrible the media is putting Portraying aerial systems, yeah. Portraying yeah. hobby aircraft, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, just just how bad a light they're putting them in, and, and it's terrible. And we need to squash, you know, all that bad with some good, and and that's part of what I wanted to do this for. So, guys, thank you very much, and we're gonna sign off. And everybody, have a great night. And blue skies, I think, is what Joel says, but whatever. Anyway, guys, have a great night. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night, guys.